Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Emily McGinley. You can talk about me using the pronouns she and her. I serve as the executive pastor. Before we dive into our scripture passage for this morning, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. God, I give you thanks. We give you thanks for this morning, this opportunity to gather across space and time to encounter your word in a new way. And so we ask that you would be present with us in this moment, that you would clear away the clutter in our hearts and our minds and help us to hear you clearly, whatever it is that you might be saying to us today. Help us to receive that and be transformed by it. We lift all of this up and pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Back when I was in college, um, I lived in an evangelical Christian community. And in that kind of setting, we'd have all kinds of different conversations, um, things like the merits and drawbacks of secular music or missionary dating, which is to say dating non-Christians um, who might become Christians. <laughs> there were also, of course, a number of really bad evangelical churchy type jokes um, that were constantly tossed around. And for whatever reason, the one that sticks in my mind, um, it goes something like this. Uh, a person gets on the bus and comes to you and says, is this seat saved? To which you respond, are you? I know, it's terrible on so many levels. <laughs> but one thing that this joke does illustrate um, so well is just how central to evangelicalism and many other traditions that being saved is. But what does it mean to be saved? Does it mean praying a special prayer in which you invite Jesus into your heart, like the tradition in which I became a Christian? Um, does it mean checking a yes box, like on the pamphlet from a local church that I found um, tucked into my front door? Or even more challenging, what about those folks who grew up in church their whole life and never had a kind of decision moment that they could point to in which they could definitely say, yes, this is when I became a Christian. Are they saved? What does it mean to be saved? I'm, re I'm reminded of a story um, that a friend of mine once told me um, about a couple, we'll call them Kevin and Mark, who had recently married. They had returned from their honeymoon and were settling into life um, together uh, in this new chapter. And uh, one morning, Mark gets up and tells Kevin he's gonna get uh, breakfast started. So Kevin's like, great, he's laying there in bed, just full of love and bliss at this new life that they're building together and thinking about uh, the breakfast that Mark was gonna be making. He'd be downstairs frying up some bacon and eggs, getting the toast ready, and they would begin their day with a delicious meal together. Kevin waited for the smell of bacon to waft into the room. He waited and waited and waited. Finally, confused, he gets out of bed and went downstairs to the kitchen where Mark was sitting at the table reading the news and eating from a bowl of cereal. What are you doing? Kevin asks. What do you mean what, I'm do and what am I doing? Uh, Mark responds, I'm having breakfast. But I thought you were gonna make breakfast, Kevin says. And Mark says, I did. Uh, the cereal and milk are right here next to the bowl and spoon I pulled out for you. Now, clearly Kevin and Mark had different ideas about what constituted breakfast. And it was perhaps maybe their first uh, marital spat uh, that they had and, and the, the indication that maybe this was going to be actually a lifetime of getting to know one another in really different and deeper ways um, as they began to live that life out together. Now, for a lot of Christians, um, 
this is a little bit like what salvation is like. Um, there, folks have different ideas about what exactly it means to be saved. Um, the details might not all match up, but there actually is a common basic idea, just like breakfast definitely entails something to eat after you've, had, uh, you've been sleeping at night. Uh, salvation definitely entails something about a life that has been transformed by the message and ministry of Jesus. And so if you were to ask the Apostle Paul, what does it mean to be saved or what is salvation, his response would be probably be all of it, right? And, and, and then some maybe even, uh, because for him, salvation is most definitely a moment, a moment of decision and commitment, but it's also so much more than that. Salvation is also a journey and a life that is constantly being transformed. Salvation is not so much a choice but a series of choices where we say yes and yes again to God's invitation, to more closely following in the way of Jesus, to live out and embody that wholeness of life for all to which, for which we were created and to, to create the conditions of wholeness of life for those around us. And it all sounds very lovely and inspiring when you think about it, right? Thinking about it is great and wonderful. It's just that living it is where things can get pretty messy. <laughs> In his letter to the church of Corinth, Paul has a specific situation actually that he's working out with them. As it turns out, some really messy stuff went down between him and the community. Someone at the church did him wrong and um, a while back and he was really hurt by it. Um, not only because of what the person did, but um, uh, because the church was so conflict averse, they actually didn't do anything about it and they kind of sort of like threw him under the bus and didn't back him up. And so here we see that church hurt has actually been around just about as long as the church has. He sent them a letter to express how much pain the whole thing had caused him, and to their credit, they responded by trying to make it right. And so here, when Paul talks about seeing one another with a new set of lenses shaped by God's love and being a new creation in Christ, this isn't just a theory. It's what he's trying to practice for himself in as much as he's trying to help them practice it. I'm sure there was more than one occasion or moment when a spirit of pettiness descended upon him and he was just ready to drag them across the Roman Empire for their thankless and callous behavior. He was well aware in his own reality that old habits die hard, but they do die. And that is what he's trying to walk them through in our passage for today. There's a, there's a phrase he uses that captures this really beautifully. The translation we read today puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And this Greek word, gegonin, which gets translated as become, it can actually also mean to come into being or becoming. Everything has become new and everything is becoming new. In other words, when Jesus laid down his life, it was to open up a pathway for us to be transformed. And when we make that first step onto that pathway, we are transformed, we have become new. But that step is only the first of many steps in becoming of a much longer journey toward transformation. It's not so much that the moment that we say yes to God, there is a switch flipped and everything is better and we're perfect and fine and all is well now, right? It's usually more that that yes invites us into a pathway where we can find ourselves moving closer and more wholly toward wholeness of life. 
for yourself and for those around you. Now, we've been exploring how John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, talked about grace. And if you've been joining us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that he really liked to use this image of a house as a way to help us understand how God's grace takes shape in the world. Last week, we heard about prevenient grace, the grace of God's ongoing invitation to be more alive and connected, the grace that is always around us, whether we are aware of it or not. And Wesley described this sort of as like being the porch of the house. You can see it, it's out there, you don't have to do anything in order to make it uh, visible or present, it's just there. And today I'm talking about that moment, not only when you become aware of that grace that's always around you, that porch perhaps, but then when you respond to it by stepping through the front door. The grace to step through the front door is what John Wesley called justifying grace the grace that enables us to accept God's invitation and walk through the doorway, get on the path. Now, I'm gonna pause right here and just acknowledge that I've had some folks take issue with this idea that you would be walking from the outside in. For some of us, uh, what we need to do is not get into a house, uh, but to escape it altogether, right? To not move into an insular space that cuts us off from the rest of the world, but to be liberated from an insular space, from the confines and constraints of all the frameworks and thought patterns and ways of seeing and understanding ourselves in the world that have stifled our voice, our imagination, and our sense of self. And so for those of you who are feeling some kind of way about this house metaphor, and based on plenty of conversations I've had with folks throughout the years, I know you're out there. I'm giving you permission to choose a different metaphor. What's most important is to understand what all of this is trying to help us understand or what's trying to, what it's trying to communicate to us, convict us of and call us toward. For what the apostle Paul and John Wesley were trying to tell the folks then and to us today, is that your past does not have to define your future. Your past does not have to define your future. You can't change what you've done, but you can do better. There is a way to do better. And so this is not about actually a doorway that you walk through once but really more like a number of doorways that you make the choice to walk through every single day, every single circumstance, every single challenge you encounter on your faith journey. Not one yes, but a series of yeses that you say to Jesus, to God, and to the transformative work of the Holy Spirit within you and through you. You can do this because in Christ, you are a new creation. You are becoming something new something more alive, more liberated, and ultimately more connected to God's life-giving, liberating, and loving work in the world. And we're able to do this not because we are smart or beautiful or strong. We're able to do this because, as Paul explained to the little community in Corinth, who were trying to get it better next time, who were on their own journey of becoming, we're able to do this because the love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ urges you on reminding you that you can get back up, that your mistakes do not define you, that you can do better. The journey of becoming doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen step by step, yes by yes, doorway by doorway. 
at this point in our service, we'll have an opportunity to reflect on this message and maybe some of the things that you've been hearing over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're gonna shift from uh, our normal format, um, which would be to continue in uh, this kind of pre-recorded online format to something that's a little bit more live and interactive. And so I'm gonna invite you uh, to reflect on a few questions um, that will be projected in a moment. And so head to the Zoom link uh, that will be projected as well. And um, once you arrive there, I'm gonna invite you to change uh, the, the name um, that you have uh, for yourself to also include your um, preferred site location. If you haven't ever actually been to a site, then I'll just invite you to choose one of our locations and put that in your name. And when you arrive to the Zoom link, you'll kind of be directed to whichever breakout room that is associated with that site so you can reflect with others that you may or may not be familiar with, um, but do so uh, uh, together and in relationship with one another. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to, to leave with some new things um, about what other folks are thinking about, but also some greater clarity for yourself as you have an opportunity to re reflect with others. And so um, we're gonna shift from this moment uh, to uh, Zoom and uh, you'll have a few minutes to get yourself um, transferred over to that platform. God bless you and may you continue to grow as you continue to make that choice to say yes to God and God's invitation to grace, to growth, and to new possibilities in your life.